This is the Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey, hey, fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 86. 86. It is slow times at the moment. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There really isn't a great deal going on for for your average Who fan. I know, it feels or, a bit barren, doesn't it? Or your unaverage Who fan, whichever you class yourself as. Mm. Talking of class, there's been a few filming photos floating around oh, yeah. Um, yeah. from our old mate Tom Dix at Epic Who. He's been uh, stalking them, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mission stalk. Yeah, so Is that's it? good. So we'll be getting a few little tidbits from, from his Twitter feed about class. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Um, what do you think to... Um, have you had any more thoughts around class and... and uh, how it might be perceived and stuff because I've read a couple of blog, blog articles about uh, after they announced the cast and they had those little YouTube clips and stuff like that yeah um, uh, but the general consensus that I read was still don't know how to take it still don't yeah. know what to think of it and so on and I think a lot of people are feeling that way yeah no, that's exactly how I feel yeah, yeah not sure until I see William Russell walking onto set I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I can't get infused you can't get into it yeah no no, yeah. no. What if they shove K nine in there? Oh well, yeah, they, yeah, that would that would that would enthuse me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Would he work in class though? I suppose he was in school reunion, but yeah, he was in he was in Sarah Jane, wasn't he? What's happened to this K nine movie as well? Oh yeah, that's the uh, that? that was the new Hollywood big budget, well, fairly big budget, called special effects new shiny K nine, wasn't it? Yeah, but I haven't heard anything about it since it was announced. Have you? Like, no. is it supposed to be coming out this year, or I can't remember when it was. I thought it was next year. I thought it was twenty seventeen. Oh, was it next year? Oh, that might be why then. I yeah. believe so. But we we covered it, didn't we, a few months ago now? Yeah, it's yeah, quite a while ago. Been uh, swept under the carpet, <laughs> under the dog carpet. Yeah, yeah, like a naughty dog, naughty yeah. puppy. He's been shooed out. <laughs> oh, poor old canine. Shooed out the back doors. Mm. Talking of K9, did you see that my Funko Pop arrived? I did. Yeah, and you know what? He's really good. Oh, good. I was worried, wasn't I? I said, yeah. oh, will he have a K9 Funko Pop? Will that really work? He's really good. I love him. Excellent. Yeah. Where'd you get him from? Well, I had him on order from oh, Bin no. Planet International. <laughs> and then <laughs> right. uh, I saw that Zavi had got him. But they sort of they said add to basket, but then when you look actually clicked on the product, it said pre-sale. So I wasn't sure what was going on with it. And because I'd already got it pre-sailed with FPI, I thought, oh. So anyway, long story short, yeah, I cancelled for Bin Plant International, ordered it from Savvy, and he arrived pretty quick, actually. Nice one. Um, yes, he was left under the table outside by the postman, but um, he survived. And yeah, he's really good. I really, really like him. He's, um, I must admit, he was a bit more expensive on Zavi because really? he's really small. He's a bit, I don't know if you've got the BB-8 one, Star Wars. Because he's quite oh, small. Oh, yeah, it's the same pop, size. I yeah. remember thinking, yeah. oh, he's a bit small for the money. Yeah. K9's the same. He's quite small. Um, and he was like fourteen ninety nine from Zavi. So I was a little bit, because he's ten ninety nine 99 for being planning international. Yeah. So I was a little bit like, mm, that's four quid extra. 
but I kind of just saw it posted or whatever. But anyway, yeah, he's really good. I like him a lot. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he looks good next to Sarah Jane and, and the Tom Baker one, which you've got the Tom, haven't you? I've got the Tom. I haven't got Sarah yeah. Jane. Yeah. Um, but I'm after the um, the limited edition Tom. You know, he's holding out the... Oh, the, the Jelly Babies? Yeah. So I'll have to try and track him down. I don't think he's too hard to find, but no. I'm going to try and track him down in the next week or so. I'm trying to think, I've, where have I seen him? They might even have him on Zavi, actually. He's, yeah, he's not that hard to find, that no. one, I don't think. He looks no. great, though. I, I was going to pick up a, a Pop Funko when I was in London last week, but he just didn't look that great to me. You know the um, you know the Ninth Doctor? Yeah. Um, I don't know, he just doesn't look... Because I had him in my hands, I was like... Ah, oh, the Ninth Doctor, this would be cool. Um, nah, I think I'll just wait until I find it pretty cheap somewhere. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Like, I've got him and he does, he looks boring. Oh, you've got him? You've got him? <laughs> I've got him. But yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. When he arrived, I, I was like, ah, oh, it's the Ninth Doctor. Doesn't really look like him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, really just a Funko with, with the funny eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's because I was saying this um, on my, when I went to Doctor Who Experience, it's a bit like the Ninth Doctor costume. It, when you see it, like in the flesh it looks so boring <laughs> but yet on screen it kind of worked really well it really suited Chris's doctor I'm sure Chris Eccleston would be thrilled well to hear that we sorry Chris we know you listen but but yeah I don't know it just looks so dull in the in, when you actually see it compared to the others I suppose in the experience they have all the costumes lined up so maybe it's just because it's next to Colin's coat of many colors that it just pales in comparison maybe I don't course, know but yeah. It, yeah, yeah yeah it could be that well they did start they did they did expand the costume out a little bit, didn't they, after Eccleston, because we had the, the cool pinstripe suit with the, um, uh, you know, Tenant's brown suit. Yeah. Um, and he uh, he paired that up with the Converse. That's true. Converse but I'll tell you, here's a question for you. Which do you prefer, the brown or the blue pinstripe? I prefer the brown. Do you, I knew you would. Just because I had a feeling you would, yeah. You, you prefer the blue, don't you? Uh, my favourite is the blue with the red converse. I love that converse. With the red, oh, that looks pretty good, actually. Yeah I'm, talking, yeah, I'm thinking of, what's the one with Martha in and the Jadoon? I'm thinking of that story. Oh. Um, Although it's not the best story, I just love the whole blue, and I'm pretty sure it's got the red converse. That was the Something first. Something about the moon, isn't it? That was the first episode of series two, wasn't it? Three. Uh, three, sorry. Uh, yeah. Series three, yeah. 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 Martha's still working as a trainee doctor, and he's he's in hospital, isn't he? Supposedly, yeah, yeah, and there's some mad crazy woman going around with a straw with a straw, yeah. In the yeah. June, they pick up the hospital and put it on the moon. That's it, yeah. What's I that can't called? What it's called, it's not bad. So, that episode, something about the moon, I quite um, like it. But, um, but yeah, so blue and red converse for me, oh, yeah. okay. Did you know that he got the inspiration from that costume from seeing Jamie Oliver on um, a talk show? I think it was not Graham Norton, what was the other one? Who's the he's the older guy that does very famous interviews? He's got his own show. Um, Michael Parkinson. Michael Parkinson, yeah. Is it really? Oh, Jamie my. Oliver was in a, 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 I think it was a baby blue coloured suit uh, with white converse. Oh, no, I'd, I'd not heard that. Yes. Is that in Russell's book or something? No, no, it's, um, I, I can't remember, I read that ages ago. Oh, right. um, but yeah, so yeah, that was the first time that somebody had rocked the old converse with a with a suit and David Tennant quite liked that apparently. Wow, I never knew that Jamie Oliver had his place in Doctor Who history. There you go. <laughs> Wow, he learns something new every day. That's <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, and you can look. I think you can find it on YouTube. That Parkinson clip with him on it, and it's yeah. quite a striking suit. Yes. Well, you've got some. You've got a brown suit, haven't you? I've seen you in your Temp Doctor cosplay or a photo of you. I did you've got have a one. sort of brown suit. Yeah, yeah, I did have one a while ago. I think I got rid of it though, just because I'd had it for so many years. 
Oh, right. And it was starting to look a bit tatty. So, um, yeah. But I'm still saying, I'm, every, every year I say this as a New Year's resolution mm. for the past, I don't know, four or five years, I've always said, I'm going to save up and get the really good, well-known cosplay suit from, I think the company's called Magnoli Clothiers. Yeah, I know them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they do a really good tenant suit with the with a cracking coat that goes with it as well. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's a bit pricey. I think altogether with the shirt and the suit and tie and the coat, I think it's like eight, nine hundred pounds. So I always say to myself, I'm going to do it. I'm just going <laughs> to bite the bullet and do it and that'll be awesome. But yeah, one my day, money, my money goes on other things, basically. Oh no! But one, I was just day, thinking, yes. one day, because I was just thinking the BBC <laughs> shop um, had the like official tenant replica coat, which awful. I know you said wasn't that good. It's awful, mate. It's not is even it? the right colour. I haven't actually seen the real thing, so I, I don't know. But oh, you've not seen it. You must have seen it at like the proms no. or some some conventions. Loads of people have it. Yeah, but it's not. It doesn't look well. The 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 design doesn't look like the coat for a start. Oh. You know, like the lapels are wrong, the pleat at the back's wrong, the buttons are what? wrong. And also, it's the wrong colour. It's like a really light-coloured, sandy kind of colour. But the actual coat is like a dark browny. And this is the official BBC one? This is the official BBC coat, yeah. Come on, BBC. It's, it's, it doesn't look... I mean, don't get me wrong, from a distance, if you were to pair it with a brown suit, you'd be like, oh, cool, that's the tenant coat. Yeah. But, uh, you know, upon closer inspection, you can tell it, it's... Just not right at all. It's just not right. No, right. So there you go. I always like to. I do like they do a Captain Jack one though. Again, I don't know. It's the official BBC one, but after you said that, I don't know if it's actually any good. Well, that one's um, not too bad because they quite like that. They've got a couple of those hanging up in the Who shop in London. Oh right. And you can see it a bit more, like you know, like fabric and stuff like that. So that one's not too bad. I was trying to think where is the Who shop in London now? I thought they'd all gone. Or do you mean the one in the actual radio place? No, no, the, um, you know, the Who Shop. Oh, the, the Who Shop. Sorry, yeah. I'm thinking BBC Shop. Oh, no, no, the Who Shop. Oh, the Who Shop. Yeah, you didn't take a photo, I hope, because well, I don't want you getting arrested. Well, I don't want to get hand... Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get barred. No. Um, but yeah, they've got a couple hanging up in there. They've also got um, uh, some Tom Baker. The, the, the little cosplay whack they've got there is pretty good, actually. Oh right! It's behind the till, but it's very close to the till. It's like right next oh, to it. Oh, it's it's like uh, it's like Smiths, is it? All the good stuff behind the till. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Actually, I'm just thinking um, the stamp center, sci-fi collector on the strand. They've got some hanging up as well, but they're so high that unless you actually, because you never, really, it's not like you go into a shop and just think, right, what's on the ceiling today? You know, it's not like that. <laughs> but they are up there. If you have a look, they've got all the Matt Smith tweed jackets and stuff in there. Oh, okay. Just yep. hanging up. I've no idea how much they are, but because. Yeah. You saying about BBC Shop? Yeah, there aren't any anymore. There used to be a couple in London, and I used to quite like going into them. And I don't know if there still is one, but you can go into the radio. What's it called? The BBC Radio bit, um, where they, which is now like the BBC. Now that the the, the proper um, BBC is gone. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a little shop in there, and yeah. um, I, you have to go through security to get to it. Now I'm I'm not exaggerating when i say it was like airport security mm-hmm. the last time i went in there to get into the blimmin shop and it's really small it's actually once you finally get in it's just like a little table set up in the middle of the room with a few mugs and stuff on it but um i think it took me about 20 minutes and there was only me uh, it wasn't <laughs> like i was in a queue i think it took me 20 minutes to actually get into this little thing um just to look at the doctor mugs so i was a bit disappointed i think i know what you mean i think um you know when they closed the online bbc shop 
yeah. a few weeks back. Um, they did an FAQ page somewhere on there before they properly closed the whole site. And it did say that they've got a small merchandise shop at the BBC office in London. Yeah. I think it's now the BBC Worldwide That's it. office. Yeah. 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 So it's not impressive, no? It's just a few well, pens, well, it was, pens it was, and mugs. Yeah, it's not much there. It's literally just like a little table. Um, but no, it's just the fact it was a bit like um, something out of a BBC comedy trying to get in there because like <laughs> the two security guards, as I said, it was only me and my partner there. So um, I gave them my bag and they were just sort of chattering away and they put it into their little machine that scans it. And then I'm stood right next to them and they just sort of forgot I was there. And they were just <laughs> chatting and I sort of said, well, can I have, I'm waiting for my bag. And they were like, well, where is it? I've just given it to you. You put it in the machine, and it was just—it went, it just went on and on, and then, and then obviously I went through, but my partner had a bag, and that had to be scanned. It was just a farce, mate. I was like, like uh, all this to get into this little shop. So, but we do like a little shop, don't we? We we like a little shop. Yeah, of course. Of course. I ordered some big finish this morning. Oh, did you? What did you get? Yeah, um, I've been after this story for a couple of weeks. I think I mentioned it on the last show, or well, one before. But I thought of it a lot this week as we're doing a quote-unquote vampire story for our review. Mm. Um, somebody mentioned it on Twitter. It was the fourth Doctor story uh, called The Labyrinth of Buddha Castle. Oh, yeah. And that's the... Um, it's got like the Nosferatu-type vampire character. Mm. So I've got that. I've downloaded it. I'm going to listen to it later today. Who's the companion in that one? Is that, La- is that Lala? Uh, Romana? Uh, Romana, yeah. Ah, right. Um, so that looks pretty good. And I'm also going to dip my toe into these short trips stories. Ah. Um, mm. uh, 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 uh. So I've yeah. started at the new ones. I haven't gone back too far. So I've got the new ones, Gardens of Dead, the Gardens of Dead, the Gardens of the Dead, um, and Washington Burns. So that's the Fifth Doctor and the Seventh Doctor stories. Actually, I was I was oohing and um in there because I'm confusing that with the earlier range that they did as a short stories or something they did oh, like 40 yeah yeah they're they're actually pretty well they're very very hit and miss those ones i was really quite underwhelmed by them but um yeah no these new ones totally different i think that they're, they're pretty good actually yeah the reason yeah. why I, I wanted to see what these are like is as the name suggests they're quite short i think they're only half an hour yeah so that's perfect for like little chunks when you don't want to put on a whole box set like dark eyes or <laughs> Doom Coalition or something like that. You just want something short and sweet before you mm. go out. Um, so I'll let you guys know what they're like next week. Yeah, I'll be interested about the, the fourth Doctor one because I haven't got any of the of that range yet. I've got well, I've got the first two series of um, the fourth Doctor Adventures, and then I think it's the third series with Lala Ward, which is what I really, really want to get. But unfortunately, mm. lack of funds, I haven't been able to get them yet. Um, but yeah, let me know what that's like because I'll probably get the whole lot when I can finally afford to get, you know, like what they call it, like the subscription of, oh, yeah, of all of yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, cool. And I think um, I think we missed it in one of the news roundups recently, but I think Tom Baker's back for a new series, isn't he, next year? Yes, he is, yeah. Which yeah. is great news because we always want more of Tom. Yeah, it's great to have Tom. And, I mean, it's good because he, he sort of um, – it took a bit of persuasion to get him to do Big Finish, didn't it? Um, and I think he's really sort of – embraced it now yeah <laughs> so it's yeah. really good that he's doing more and more and more yeah yeah it's great yeah he suits big finish so well i know that a lot, a lot of people said oh but his voice has changed a bit well of course it has you know he's <laughs> 80 odd years old what, what'd you expect yeah <laughs> yeah but i still think it's he's i still think he's just great as the doctor on audio so you know can't have enough really no it's all good but i do want to hear the ones with lala i, I really 
you know, I keep thinking every payday, right, I'm going to get the, because I'm, I think we're on series four now. Mm-hmm. So I'm already a whole series behind, which as you can imagine, uh, be, you know, my OCD of, of not having my collection complete is killing me and I really want to hear them. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, so, it, must, uh, it must be that little tapping sound at the back of your mind. <laughs> yeah, it's like the master's drum in my head. Exactly. You know, going round and round. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but um, yeah, every payday, I'm like, right, I'm going to get the, uh, I'm going to get that series three and then catch up to series four but there's always something i'm sure you're the same there's always you know get to the end of the month and you've got to pay i don't know some bill or so there's always a reason that i haven't managed to get it but oh, yeah. i will do yeah. i will venture again but yeah yeah let me know what it's like i'm sure it's good i will do sounds good sounds like a good story was it was the main reason you went for that one because of the vampire thing is that why you chose that well that I, one? well i wanted to pick up a big finish um because i haven't picked one up in the like three weeks now i guess yeah. Last few weeks I haven't got anything new from those guys. And because it's a bit dry out there at the moment for uh, for Doctor Who stuff, I thought, you know, I need I need something to uh need something new to listen to or watch. So yeah, I just and like I said, I saw this tweet that somebody put out that the script for it and the story was really good. Oh right. And then on top of that, because we were doing a vampire story this week, I thought the stars have aligned. Yes, yeah. So, I was just thinking that, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what I am excited about. I've got that, the Master, the first in the Master trilogy. Oh, I'm, yes. I've yep. got an email the other day to say that had been dispatched. So Super. actually, it's probably already in my account. I should go and get get it downloaded because, um, yeah, they, they sound pretty good. So I need gonna, to check. Yeah. I've been so, so busy with work. I haven't, I just haven't, these things have just escaped me last couple of weeks. But yeah, I bet it's already in my account. I'm going to do that as soon as we, as soon as we finish. I'm going to download that if it's in there. Cool. I like how my iTunes um, folder looks because I I don't I don't put any modern music in there. I leave that for mm. like Spotify and Amazon Prime and stuff. But my iTunes is just like all the all the covers of all the big finished stuff. Yeah, it looks really good. So I, I, I like love how, that. yeah I like how they tag their stuff. I'm not sure about some of their older releases, but for the last year or so, um, they've always tagged all of their audio files nicely. It all just comes in in order, and it's all great. So I like it. Yes, they've sort of, yeah, I know what you mean. They found a bit of a system, haven't they, over the yeah. years? Because I know, sort of, as I've been with Big Finish for so long, yeah, if, if I go back, they've already, like, improved their earlier catalogue. So um, it's quite nice because even if, like, how can I explain it? So, like, the, say the first release, Sirens of Time, mm-hmm. you know, I downloaded that ages ago. And then I, I don't know why, I think I was transferring them to another computer or something. So I, I downloaded it again from their website, and it was like a totally different file. They'd already improved it and put high def. Um, covers in or whatever I can't remember now but it was like oh they've changed it and I didn't even know but it's really good that they give you like if they do do a new improved version that they automatically you know put it in your accounts or things so yeah good looks stuff. good mm. good stuff as usual from Big as usual yeah yep. uh, Waffle done yep let's land it let's do the news The restoration team. Mm. You know those guys. Yes, I do, yeah. Not personally, but yes, I do. Yeah, those guys that have been quite, uh, uh, well, it, very, very important in the yeah. classic DVD world. We often say about, 
you know what a great job they do with the releases and with the War Machine springs to mind. How we were talking about how uh, you know the amazing job they did putting that back together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So those guys have updated their website mm-hmm. after a very long time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I read on this article that the last update was 2013. I know. Is yeah. that is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Spearhead from space. The Blu-ray uh, uh, details, but. They've shoved a load of info on there recently, <clears throat> and um, it's all a bunch of, um, well, essentially the last batch of classic DVDs that were restored and then released. They've now put all those titles on there, so you can have a good read about all the details that went into each restoration and some cool little points. And unfortunately, I can't get the website to work for me. I'm, I've been sit, I've been sat here refreshing it all morning, mm-hmm. but it's just not updating, whereas you have... Yes, it's really bizarre, this, because I had the same problem this morning. Um, I was quite excited when, when I saw this on our, that you'd put this on our news feature because um, I used to check this website quite often, actually. Uh, I like this website. It just gives you a little breakdown of what they did and what work went into the, you know, each story that they brought out. And they sometimes put, like, comparison photos of before and after. It's just a really nice little website for, for technical detail. Um, but, yeah, I went on this morning all excited, thinking, oh, they've updated and... Um, yeah, there was nothing new on there. And then bizarrely, I mean, I refreshed it. It was the same, refreshed it the same. And then bizarrely, it just suddenly seemed to update. There were suddenly like 10 new um, listings on there. So I don't know why. It could just be the website's taking time to update. Mm. Um, but yeah, they are on there. I've got it in front of me right now. So I can see that they've um, they've added some new content. And the bit that really, really fascinates me, and we were talking a little bit about this just before we recorded, is um, is the little feature they've put about the Underwater Menace DVD, um, which, you know, I'm sure you'll remember, took forever to come out. You know, at one point it was completely cancelled and then there was fan petitions to get it released and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yep. So when it finally did come out, I know a lot of people were disappointed that we didn't get animation for the two missing episodes. We got these um, telly snaps. And on top of that, the telly snaps were of really, really poor quality. They weren't anywhere near what we'd had before um, with previous releases where they've used telly snaps. You know, there was no motion or anything. Now, the interesting thing in this restoration um, article is that um, they offered to do the same standard of uh, telly snaps as used on previous releases for no extra cost. And they were explicitly told by BBC Worldwide, no. Um, In fact, they say, and I'm just going to quote, although we offered to prepare reconstructions to the standard of that featured on the Web of Fear for no extra cost, we were firmly told the reconstruction must be exceptionally basic. No recreation opening titles or credits, no composite shots, no moves to add life to the storytelling, and all the telesnaps had to be presented one after another in order that they were shot without repetition. A very odd commercial decision which we were at lost to understand, they mm. say. Now, I find this really, really strange. That is odd, um, isn't it? Why would BBC Worldwide want, want a release to go out and be as bad as it could possibly be? Surely, if they're offering to do this at no extra cost, to bring it up to the standard of of the other DVD releases, BBC Worldwide say, yeah, great, cheers, guys. But no, they were explicitly told to make them pretty much as bad as they could possibly be. This is bizarre, isn't it? Because I find it really bizarre, yeah. The reason why I find it bizarre is that if the restoration team had gone back to the Beeb and said, um, we can do all this extra stuff for you and make it look as good as we can, but it's going to cost you X amount on top of whatever our fee is, 
and the Biebers come back and said, we really haven't got any budget. So unfortunately, thanks for the offer, but we can't do it. But mm. the fact that they're saying that we can do it as part of the job without any additional cost involved, you know, they're, obviously they're, I don't know how much you guys know about the restoration team. If, if you check out their website, there's so much good stuff on there about all yeah. of the classic DVDs. It's um, restoration-team.co.uk. You can tell, I mean, the whole reason why this, why these guys, why these guys set up in the first place was for their passion to get the classic Doctor Who out there looking as best as it can. So it's nothing more than that, that that's pushed them to do it. And the and the fact that the BBC have said thanks but no thanks, we want you to make it as basic as you can as you can make it. That's just a bizarre. It's such a bizarre thing. Yeah, but it, yeah, as they said themselves, a very odd decision which they're at a loss to understand and, and the same here I just don't get it so it was fascinating just to get a little insight into that because I know a lot of people at the time sort of questioned why the telly snaps were so bad we were thinking we were thinking oh is it because it's been rushed out or you know but but that can't be the case because it was it was on the schedule for almost two years wasn't it or a year I think it was two years since it was found there was plenty of time to be honest if they wanted to do that there was no reason for them to, to sort of rush it out. They, everyone knew it was there. If they just said, yeah, it's, it will come out, but it's going to take a little bit longer because we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, you are right, it just actually, seems yeah. odd. Yeah, You are right because I think there has been a couple of titles where they've wanted to rush them out quick uh, uh, after they restored them. Yeah. Uh, I think Web of Fear was one of them. Yeah. Um, and there's been another couple where it, they've actually said on here that the BBC wanted them out as quickly as possible. But you're right, for this one, it was on the, it was on the plan for ages. So it's not like they found it and then the BBC said, right, we need to get it out the door as quickly as possible. So no time for, you know, mucking around. No time for any of that. Any of that stuff, just get it out. So it is a bizarre one, I must admit. But having said that, it's still a great read. It's very insightful to to Mm. go through and and look at it. So if you go onto the website and if you click on uh, on the uh, nav on the left, if you just click on DVD releases at the top, like me, you might see the top one being Spearhead from Space, the Blu-ray restoration. But um, maybe we just need to move to Adam's area yeah. of where where that broadband is. I'm not sure. But the top one, if it's Spearhead from Space, that's the old content. So just keep refreshing or give it a while. And you said there's about nine or ten... Yeah, on, top of that. on my one. So after Spearhead from Space, I've now got um, two, four, six, eight, nine. About nine, nine, and and right at the top of mine now is um, the Underwater Menace, and then Web of Fear, Moonbase, Enemy of the World, below it, and all that Tenth Planet, um, Terra Zygon. So yeah, so it's so I've got about nine or ten extra been added on. And I think it's just because they're updating their website. Um, I I am a little. I mean, we, I'm assuming it's BBC Worldwide. I must clarify. You know, um, I don't know who's exactly has has instructed them to to do that because i don't want to sort of accuse the wrong people but it it basically says that when it, um the instruction that came to us via our commissioning editor was that they presented in that format so i don't know somewhere along the line someone has instructed that i would assume it's bbc worldwide wouldn't you but i wouldn't want to accuse anyone but somewhere along the line that's what was instructed yes yeah but anyway yeah read the article it makes for makes for interesting reading it really does it does um, next up, um, yeah. go on, go on. This Very is- sad news. I, I, do you know, this is the last thing I read um, 
before I went to bed last night, I just, I just go into bed and I, I as you do, just check the Facebook. Oh, you know what it's like. You get saying, oh, just check. I haven't missed anything important in the world. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was absolutely knocked for six to, to see that Gareth Thomas has um, passed away at the age of 71. Uh, probably best known for playing Rog Blake in Blake 7. Blake! Um, I'm sure a lot of listeners know that Blake 7 is one of my all-time favourite programmes. Um, I absolutely adore it. So I'm, I'm genuinely gutted. It's always weird, you know, when someone famous passes away, it's always strange when you sort of feel really emotionally sort of upset about it because you think, wow, you know, it's not like it's somebody you knew. But I think if you're in love with the show, and especially if you've met them, I've, I've met Gareth twice over the years, and um, I really did feel really quite sad about it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's terribly sad news. Um, we were lucky enough to meet him. We went to a... A phantom signing in Chiswick, October wasn't it? Last I'm sure year it was October, yeah. And I'm yeah. Sh- I'm sure you can remember <clears throat> how excited I was yeah. when he suddenly got added to the list of people appearing. Um, I was buzzing, wasn't I? I couldn't because I'd met him before years and years and years ago, and it was a real chance meeting. I was at a collector mania in Milton Keynes. Oh right, yeah. And, and Jacqueline Pierce was there doing a signing. Gareth wasn't there doing a signing, but. He just happened to be doing a play up the road and dropped in to say hello to Jacqueline and, and Paul Darrow, who were there. And um, he was, yeah, so he was just chatting to Jacqueline and me and my friend uh, who were there, we just, you know, got chatting to him and he signed some pictures for us and he was just a really nice guy. Um, so that was a really nice chance meeting. And then I think I said to you when he was added to the Chiswick event how pleased I was because I, I wanted to get a picture with him. I was like, yeah, I've got his autograph, but, you know, he is a sort of proper hero of mine. I, <laughs> I absolutely adore Blake Seven. Um, so I was really excited, wasn't I? I was like, I'm actually going to get a picture with Gareth. It's going to be, oh, I just can't believe it. So, yeah, we met him that day. It was a really nice little meeting. He was as friendly as ever. I, I did say to you at the time, he did look a lot more frail, obviously, than when I last met him. Yeah. There was no doubt about it. But he was still really nice and chatty. He just was a very nice person. Um, so, yeah, I'm you know, glad I got to meet him. Very, very sad news. He, he did lots of other stuff as well. I mean, he's always going to be remembered for Blake Seven, but he was in Heartbeat, Coronation Street, Zed Cars. He did loads of theatre work. Um, and, of course, he did return. Big Finished have done all the Blake Seven releases, like the Liberator Chronicles and the Blake yep. Seven Adventures. And, you know, so he's done come back to, you know, into the role of Blake to do those as well. And they've been really good. As a, as a hardcore Blake Seven fan... I can honestly say Big Finish did a great job with the Blake 7 releases because, you know, when you're a fan of something, you're, you're quite <laughs> critical, I think. You sometimes think, no, oh, they haven't got the sound effects right or, you know, the, you know, the voice of Zen, oh, it's not the same actor, they haven't got it right. But, but yeah. they really did a good job. And, um, and the guys, although, again, they're, you know, their voices sound a bit older, they, they still really clicked as a cast. So, yeah. So very sad news, Gareth Thomas... Um, Passed away at the age of seventy-one on Wednesday. Yes, it's sad, and I'm getting a I'm getting a bit sick and tired of announcing wow. uh, uh, deaths this year. This, this year seems to be the one for. It's been a weird year, just isn't it? A lot of great people have just passed away. It's um, mm. it's crazy. But um, he was in Torchwood, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, gosh, I can't believe I forgot to mention that. Yes, yeah. he was in Torchwood as well. Um, playing quite a. Uh, a sinister role um, from what I remember I haven't watched the episode for ages but um, Ghost Machine that's right yeah yeah yeah. so yes he was also in Torchwood and um, yeah I mean there's lots of connections to Doctor Who if you're thinking why are you talking about Blake Seven on a Doctor Who podcast you know I mean Blake Seven was written by Terry Nation who who obviously had a a big part to play in Doctor Who as well so yeah yeah. sad news 
Very sad news, yeah. It's nice to see lots of things going around on Twitter as well. I said to you this morning, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of love out there for, for Gareth, which is great. Yes. And uh, before we move on to merch, I um, just want to mention someone's birthday. Someone you might know. Yeah, who could that be? Hmm. Not actually, the, wait, go on. <laughs> uh, Peter Capaldi. Yes. Uh, happy birthday today. So when this goes out, it will be yesterday for you guys. Yeah. Um, so the 14th of April is uh, our our lovable doctor's birthday. How many earth years old is he? How many earth years old? I think, I don't know exactly. No, I don't uh, know either. I was just trying to find <laughs> no idea. Um, well, it's an interesting one because he looks, he doesn't look as old as he is. I, I, I actually think he looks, sorry, Peter, if you're listening, we know you do. I actually think he looks older than he is. I always think, really? um, yeah, I always think he's got quite, a, and I mean this in a kind way, I always think he looks quite weathered. Oh, I, see, I think I know what you mean, but he's 58. Yeah. 58, okay. So he's yeah. nearly 60, but I don't think he looks nearly 60 to me. Ah, oh, you creep. You just, you're just hoping <laughs> he's listening. No, I'm, I'm being serious. He, he, right. Well, to me anyway, he, he looks more like he's in his... His early 50s, not his late 50s, put it that way. He looks younger when he has his hair short. When he was going all crazy in Series 9 with his hair, he, he looked a bit older, I think. It's just sometimes, you know, when you get a close-up of him, yes. his eyes look really tired. <laughs> but that could be the Doctor Who schedule. I was just I mean, about... I think that was, yeah. I was just about to say, that's probably because he's been filming every day for like 10 months on the yeah. trot sort of thing. But um, yeah. yeah, so happy birthday. Happy birthday, Peter. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, Peter. Right, let's get the Daleks in and let's do some merch. Okay. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. One of your favourite mags is on sale today. Oh, right. Yeah, it's the, uh, you know those... um, Doctor Who magazine, they do those specials. The ones that no one can ever find in the stores. Yeah, yeah those ones, you know. Yeah. Which is which is odd because, um, was it last week, last week's merch, where we said that uh, Doctor Who magazine had released um, the special magazine about the Time Lords? The Time Lords, yeah. Um, and you were saying um, you, could, you couldn't find it in WH Smith or anywhere like that. Um, when I went into WH Smith two days later, it was in one of those specials you know they do like those i know they got a little yeah on the front and it says you know this week's you know featured magazine and it was right there and i was like that is sod's law for you well they had a whole pile of them yeah all right (laughs) maybe it was just a bit like the thing is whenever i've been into smiths lately they um they seem to have massive piles of all the old ones like this one with the um weeping angel on the front and all this just like loads of them and i'm thinking is it a case of they're thinking, well, we never sold any of the others, so we're not going to stock any more new ones because we've still got all these to shift because they've literally got like a, about 20 of those and then they've got 20 of the the one with Peter Capaldi on the front and there's one with um, Clara, like the companions were, all these old ones that they've still got loads and loads of stock of, but, mm-hmm. um, but they never seem to get the new ones in my area anyway. Um, but I am wondering if it's just because they just think they can't sell them. Um, possibly. possibly. But I did manage to get it. I managed to find the last copy on the shelf um, after we recorded, I think. I can't remember now. But oh, I did cool. manage to get it, and it was the last. I saw it 
just one on the shelf and I thought oh I bet it's all creased um, and amazingly it wasn't it was a little bit thumbed but it was fine I could cope with it uh, so I did manage to get the Time Lords one but what's this one then the special effects yeah so they've rushed another special out they've, mm. rushed, an- they've rushed another special out about special effects so this is six, <laughs> six decades of art and illusion in Doctor Who um, and it's out today so if yeah. Art and illusion. Art and illusion. Actually, the cover's good. It's um, it's a picture of Capaldi crawling along the moon surface from Kill the Moon, Kill the isn't moon. it? Yeah. An episode everybody loves. Yeah. Um, six decades of art and illusion. Yeah. And this one is slightly cheaper, I think. Five ninety nine. Uh, Five ninety nine. Yeah, because yeah. I think the Time Lords one was nine ninety nine, or around about that. So yeah, I'll, I'll wait, if I can find it, I'll be picking it up. I always do. I always get these things. Yeah. Yeah. And what about is, you? Um, you bothered about the special effects? Fifty seven thousand pages about CGI. You, you interested in that? Um, I am because I, I I really like the whole um, the Doctor Who artwork and visual effects and stuff mm. that go into um uh, into the show. Where whether it's whether it be classic or new Doctor Who, I like that stuff. Does um, this cover the whole? Is this oh yeah, six decades? Yeah, because I was just thinking we've yeah. said before how it the effects have definitely not improved over the last sort of couple of series. They they seem to have got worse, if anything. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of that. <laughs> I can whenever we talk about special effects, I just always think back to that. Um, oh, what's the episode where Danny gets run over and Clara gets a she gets a phone call. She's trying to ring the doctor, and there's this terrible shot of the TARDIS on a on a planet surface. With, and I just always think how awful that was, and you know how the standards had just dropped massively. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. so maybe there'll be a picture of that lovely planet in there. I really hope there is. Actually, I doubt it. I would imagine they've they'll gloss over things like that. Probably, um, mm. but yeah, I'm not expecting amazing things from it. I think it's a slightly smaller affair than what these normal specials are. Yeah. Um, but for six quid, yeah, it, it's um, it could be cool. Yeah, uh, worth buying for the cover alone. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Talking of reading material, um, there's some new comics coming out. Um, one yeah. of these I think is quite exciting actually. Uh, is the the big finish? Uh, Titans are going to. I don't know what mine about. Titans are going <laughs> to release some Torchwood. Um, comics which are going to tie in with big finish apparently which is why, why i find it quite interesting i like that they're kind of not necessarily going to tie in but they're going to tie in with in with the continuity yes they, they reckon so that's quite good so it's almost as if they're working with big finish in a sense um these are coming out around july time um the dates of these i'm sure you know this because you get a lot of the titan comics it's bound to change yeah. um i'm forever getting emails saying that the dates changed and whatever but but yeah these look quite good covers look good um good to have Torchwood in another format because obviously you know it's carrying on through Big Finish and and now comic format. So and Titans are good, aren't they? They're good comics, so they should be mm-hmm. they should be pretty decent. And these stories are written by John Barrowman and uh, and his sister Carol Barrowman as well. Yes. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Which yeah, is good. And they brought out a couple of books, haven't they? They've wrote a couple of Torchwood novels. Yeah. It would be nice if they did some signings, wouldn't it? That would be really good. It would be good. But it is, it is quite cool that Torchwood is now, like you say, in another format. And I'm wondering if it's a build-up to maybe a, a potential TV return because the, there's obviously a lot of Torchwood fans and they're obviously mm. hungry for more content. So it could be a, a cool sort of pave the way for a return to TV. I would love to see it. Perhaps. I would love to see Torchwood back. I, I, that's something I could definitely get excited about if, yeah. if Torchwood came back. Um yeah, I was going to say, on top of that, there are some Ninth Doctor 
the second it's the second series of the ninth doctor isn't it yes number one of yeah year two or season or series two whichever you want to call it mm. um and uh it, it, this one is uh, this one very much feels like older new doctor who it it feels like um very much like series one mm-hmm. um because it's a rose captain jack adventure and the humor and you know some of the banter between the way it's written does feel very much like we're back in 2005 yeah it's really good so um uh so i have to say actually because i don't think i've said it before but i have to say a big thank you to titan comics because they send us these previews they send us these copies for review and so on um and yeah this one is i'm i'm, a, I'm as you know i'm a big fan of the titan comic range of doctor who but this one it feels like they just sat in a room and watched all of series one um, mm. for, for a couple of days and then they went off and wrote the story because it just the conversations between the characters and the way they say things and you know just that typical adventure style yeah from series mm. one so it, it, it's pretty good actually um this is only part one so i'll have to see what you know how it how it progresses but so far this is a this is a pretty good one it, it, it's better than <clears throat> the first series of the ninth doctor put it that way yeah because you were saying that that started off really good and then just sort of uh, sort of slid away a bit towards the end you thought didn't you yeah it started off really pretty well actually and um just as i think it just it felt a bit tired it felt like a labored read um, towards the end but this one has started good so hopefully it won't go like the first series and it will Hmm. continue to be cool but yeah titan comics killing it again so where these are out, these are due out around April time again. That'll probably change because it already is April, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, this so, one went on sale Wednesday. Yeah, that's um, it. And I think is it a weekly or a monthly? I can't remember when these come out now. I think it's. I thought it was monthly, but I could be wrong. I think I'm looking it is, at some of the yeah. covers. Yeah, we've got some of the covers up on here. They're <laughs> they're quite good. I do like the ones. They do like these ones where it looks like it's got a a figure, a toy figure, on the cover. Like uh, it's yeah. almost as if yeah. it's a toy pack but it's obviously cover of a magazine but that's quite nice so there's there's a strange one of the doctor playing the piano though that which, is weird, um isn't it? who yep. it doesn't really look like the night it looks more like Stephen moffat to me oh, do you know what i thought uh dude you read my mind because yeah. when i saw it as a little thumbnail on the website i thought that was Stephen moffat i was like <laughs> why is moffat playing the piano um but i like his little tardis cufflinks though Oh yeah, they look quite nice. Those. Yeah, yep. very nice, very nice. So yeah, um, I'll, I'll be picking some of these up. I, I always do just to see. What, <laughs> I pick them up and then don't get time to read them. But of course. I will be picking them up, and then I'll just say to you, are they any good? <laughs> are they any good? Yeah, but yeah. they are good. No, I haven't had a chance to read them, but are they any good? Yeah, it's interesting. They've gone down this route with the toy figure. It looks like on the cover. I really like those. Isn't that copying the Star Wars comics a bit, though, Gary? Yeah, I was just about to say, well, mm-hmm. the only difference is the Star Wars comics, they went down a photorealistic kind of way. So the artwork is very good. It looks like a photo yeah. of the actual figure. This looks a bit more cartoony, but True. Um, it's a good... I like those covers, though. It's, I just like the style. It's very cool. Yeah, I do as well. They did the fourth Doctor cover like that. It's brilliant. Mm. I love that one. Yeah. So there you go. Ninth Doctor comics, even. Yeah, yeah. come in your way. Remember to check out the Fourth Doctor Titan range as well that came out recently, Mm. Um, because that's a really, really good read. Yeah, they are good. good. Yeah, Yeah. and I think we're done for news. Okay. So Adam, just make sure. Hold on. Let me just put the put the garlic away. Close the curtains. (laughs) What are we doing this week? 
this week we're off to Croatia. I mean Venice, uh, because we're, <laughs> we're reviewing the vampires of Venice. Rory, we need to talk about your fiance. I'm sending you somewhere together. Ooh, what, like a date? Venice! Venezia! Something happens in there. Something evil. Pale, creepy girls who don't like sunlight. Am I thinking what I think I'm thinking? Vampires! In Venice. <laughs> this whole thing is mental. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the people upstairs are very noisy. There aren't any people upstairs. I knew you were going to say that. Did anyone else know you was going to say that? Move! You need someone on the inside. Now, are you insane? You don't have another option. You have no idea how dangerous you make people to themselves when you're around. Amy, come back! I'll be fine. They're vampires, for God's sake. We hope. So if they're not vampires... The Vampires of Venice. Mm. I'd like to think if we were reviewing this as a DVD extra, I'd like to think we'd be drifting down a Venice <laughs> on a gondolier reviewing this. <laughs> Can you imagine us just both sat back in a gondolier going, yeah, down the bit where... <laughs> that would be good. But, but as it's audio, we can but imagine. <laughs> Oh, I could just imagine the camera's just still, and then yeah. from under a bridge, there's <laughs> us with a cocktail and yeah, you know, cocktail, yeah. Panama hat. Would be, and, just... and the gondolier would be sort of leaning slightly down on my side because I'm about twice the weight of you. <laughs> and uh, and I'd also like to think that it then turned into like the James Bond esque style, where um, I, don't, I can't think which Bond it is where he's in Venice, where where all the films speeded up because they're having a chase. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. They, I'd like to yeah. think of that as well. So speeded up film action would be good. I'm sure they could do that. They can't, you know, <laughs> they don't want to. <laughs> 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 the Vampires of Venice. Yes. <laughs> um, so this was back in um, Matt Smith's first it's series. Series five, series yeah. Series five back in 2010. Mm. Uh, written by Toby Whithouse and directed by Johnny Campbell. Johnny. 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 <laughs> and um, executive, yeah, so the Moffat obviously had his fingers. Did, yeah. With every other pie to do with Doctor Who, and yes, um, right. Uh, oh, so the Doctor lands with Amy and Rory um, uh, in Venice, and well, yes, in Venice. It's actually Croatia, but it's supposed to be Venice. Yeah, they land in Venice, and <laughs> this guy has lost his daughter to a cult. That's how people perceive these people, I guess. Um, the Doctor is immediately uh, interested in what's going on. Rory is very much typical Rory in this one. Doesn't want to get involved, wants to go back, have a cup of tea. Amy's raring to go. Doctor mm. and Amy investigate. She goes undercover. And then before we know it, um, we find out that this cult of people are vampires. Mm. Um, and then we find out they're not vampires. Uh, and then we find out they behave like vampires. But then we find out again that they're not vampires. Um, and uh, I'm not going to go on anymore because it's, yeah. We'll just say 
Fish people. Because you were saying last people. week about this big blue fish or something, and I was thinking, what on earth is Gary on about? All oh, right, But yeah. now I know. Yeah, it's probably more like a lobster fish, I suppose. It's more, I mean, the head looks like a fish, but the body's more like a giant spidery crab lobster thing. Yeah, it's a strange design, isn't it? Yes. Um, mm. In any case, the um, uh, these monster blue fish, green fish people... <laughs> Um, they do unfortunately meet their demise. Well, one of them does anyway. Um, which reminds me, don't dip your toe in the water. No. If you ever go to Venice, because we didn't actually see, um, we saw like the main characters of this species, you know, bite the dust, but the thousands of others that are still reside in the water. Um, yeah, so just be careful. Don't fall off the boat. That's a very good point. I hadn't even thought of that. So yeah, they kind of just get left left there, don't they? There's yeah. no, yeah, I didn't even realise that. Never mind about the thousands under this water. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So the, um, roughly, before we get into a few more details, mm. what you got? Vampires of Venice. Um, I must admit, I thought I would be coming on here today defending this one because <laughs> I remembered at the time watching it and thinking it was okay. I remember thinking like, why is everyone giving this one such a hard time? It was, I thought it was all right. And then I watched it again the other night and, uh, and actually I think it's pretty average to say the least. I was really quite, I honestly thought in my head, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I thought it was quite a good story and I've never kind of got the hate for it, but, um, yeah, I didn't really click with this one when I rewatched it the other night, I have to say. So not that impressed, I'm afraid. Um, my oh initial thoughts. Yeah, it's okay. okay, but I'm just, yeah, wasn't great. Oh dear. What do you think? I didn't like it. Didn't like it? Didn't like it. At all? I, I like some parts of it. Mm. Um, but the thing that really did it for me, and I think this is a lot of people's issue, well, the people that aren't a fan of it anyway, because this, this is a Marmite episode, I'm sure. Yeah. Because some of the comments and stuff we got in, some people love it, some people really aren't too keen, but... Um, it was the big letdown for me. I when I first started watching it, I was really, really, really hoping for a great vampire story, mm. and it turned out to be just a wishy-washy. They're not vampires at all, and you know, I think we understand how the um, how certain things evolve later into what makes a vampire story. Yeah, from, from what happened here, because people would have told stories about this, you know. This cult of girls that have no reflection and they suck people's blood and and all that caper, but it was just a big letdown for me. I liked. And it's, sorry, go on. I, I really liked Matt Smith. Yes, I thought he, yeah. I thought he was great in this. Um, mm-hmm. Found Amy slightly annoying, as usual. Um, yeah, and Rory just a uh, an overly wet blanket. Mm. Um, the fa- the the favorite bit, the best bit of the episode for me was the first five minutes. When he bursts out of the cage. Yeah, I was cracking yeah. up laughing. Yeah. And that's that whole thing where it was like that whole awkwardness of like all of Rory's mates there on the stag do. He's like, we need to talk about your fiance. She kissed me once. Yeah. She's quite a good kisser and it's just so awkward. It's so funny. And then we're into it. But that was the best bit of the episode for me. Yeah. Um, and then from that point on, I was just, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I, don't, I, I don't hate it. I don't watch it and think, well, that was just completely awful. I just found myself a combination of let down, a little bit bored at times. Um, and yeah, it was just, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I can't love it, 
but then on the same token, there's some good things in it, so I can't hate it. It's just one mm. of those middle of the road. But overall, I just didn't really enjoy watching it. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't sit there think. I didn't sit thinking, "Wow, this is." I'm. Re- I'm just, you know, really enjoying this this story. I just there was you no know, enjoyment for it. Some interesting little bits and stuff, but yeah, couldn't get into it. Yeah, I must admit, I, I was. Um, I wasn't sat there thinking, "God, this is awful," but I was sat there thinking. God, I'm bored. Yes. I was really yeah. bored by it. And I think maybe that's why I might have enjoyed it more the first time I watched it, which is when it aired. I think perhaps because, you know, I didn't know what was coming. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just don't remember thinking it was that bad um, the first time. I remember thinking, yeah, it's an all right episode, you know, not great, but it was a fun watch. But but yeah, watching it again the other night, I was just bored. Yeah. I, I was just thinking yeah. there's nothing in this is grabbing me. Um, I agree with you about the beginning. I loved I loved the start <laughs> um, with, with Matt and the cake and, uh, and all that. And... Um, and there's a slight bit of mystery in the first five minutes, but after that, there's nothing. It's it's actually quite messy as well, isn't it? There's no there's no sort of it doesn't flow. Like one minute we're talking about vampires, and then Amy and Rory are having their little spat and yep. problems, and and then the doctor's chatting to the woman. It it feels really disjointed to me. I, it wasn't flowing or keeping me engaged very much at all. I found no, I agree. And I, I, like I said, I cracked up laughing at that opening scene. Yeah. Well, it do- is good. I mean, it's, I don't know if I, I don't remember seeing it come in at the time. I remember thinking that was, that was fun. Yeah. And the way that Matt Smith does that thing where he's, you know, he kind of shakes his wrists. Yeah. And he's just looking around with this blank face and he's not, you know, he's, he's thinking tough crowd, you know, no one's laughing. It's, it's just <laughs> super awkward. And Rory's just look super unimpressed. Um, yeah, so I, I thought that was really well done, that opening bit. And I thought, when I first watched this, I thought that was going to set the the tone for the for the story. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to have one of those really fun, you know, fun but scary stories I thought it was going to go on to. Because, um, obviously, from the title of, even if you haven't seen it, from the title of the episode, you know that it's about vampires. Or supposedly. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, this is going to be a really fun adventure. It's going to be scary in some places with these vampires. And Matt Smith and Arthur Darby are on form, you know, because they bounce off each other really well. Yeah. But after that scene, it just seemed to just drag a little bit. And each scene was, don't get me wrong, it was shot fairly nice. Like visually, it looks very nice. Mm. And Mm. um, the Croatian scenery does do, um, serve a very good backdrop for, for Venice. It's all, it, it does. It all looks good, and these nice establishing shots where you see, like, you know, the nice architecture in some places and the nice, you know, the the waterside buildings and all that stuff. It looks great, but it just feels more like... It feels like something you would see on the History Channel <laughs> rather than an exciting, you know, Doctor Who story. Because um, there's a couple of moments, isn't there, like... Um, when they first encounter these, these uh, the girls from the Signora Calvieri um, thing. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> you know, so when they first encounter them, it all gets a bit creepy. And mm. but even then, Matt Smith's not really threatened at all. He's just he's. Um, it's interesting actually because when we reviewed um, the Tomb of the Cybermen last week, uh, we mentioned that uh, that Patrick Troughton has got this very much like he's just so intrigued and he's up for it and mm. you know he wants to get stuck in and matt smith is very much like that in this one where he he knows that something isn't right and there's a threat to the people somewhere but he doesn't bother him he's just up for it and he's very comical and 
So I think that was another problem for me, was that because he just laughs it all off straight away. You know when he's surrounded by all those girls in, yeah. in the basement? Um, he just laughs at them and doesn't even run away, anything like that. So that immediately just dilutes the threat. I think, well, the you thing know? is, that I think one of the main problems with this is there is no threat. I think that's that's the thing. There is no danger in it at all. I no. think that's why it doesn't engage with me because you, there's n yeah, there's just no danger in it. Like you said in that scene with Matt, um, it's quite a nice little scene. It starts off. I mean, there's the nice bit where he's got like the first Doctor's library card, and you have got a bit of humour in there, and you think, oh, that's good. And yeah. he's obviously loving being surrounded by these very attractive vampires and all yeah. that. So that's quite nice. But then, yeah, like you said, he just runs away and almost is laughing. So there's there's no threat at all. Yeah. Um, doesn't he say something like, "Take, <laughs> tell me what the whole plan's about" or something like that? And they, he says, "Oh, one day that's going to work." And you know, there's a couple of nice bits of humour, but it's yeah, there's no danger or or sort of um or, or threat or anything really yeah yeah I, th I think that's the core issue mm. is that there's a bit of an identity crisis with this episode because the like we said the vampires are a no threat at all and we really shouldn't call them vampires should we, no because really? they're not because they're just perceived as vampires mm. so the fish people are just no threat at all so and you, yet and yet the the, the woman the the main fish um what's she called rosanna rosanna yeah now i think she had potential yes to be yep. threatening because she's got a good look and she's quite good in it in terms of her acting she's quite menacing but she's not given anything to do in terms of being threatening but yep. i think she could have been utilized better because she looks a bit scary anyway doesn't she, she in does. terms of, she's one of the she's got very sort of um ferocious features so they could have used her to build up the threat but unfortunately they don't not at all and that's what I was saying. She, there could have been times where they could have gone down the more scary road. Because if you look at any of the promo pictures for this episode, or any clips, they always try and make it look scary. Because they always show these these girls with like the huge vampire teeth. Mm. You know, so whenever, the, whenever this episode is brought up in the press or, you know, reviews, or if the BBC are, you know, if they're talking about it or running a feature on it, they always try and make it, look like it's a, a potentially very scary story yeah because they don't show anything else other than the vampire aspect of it but after you've started watching it after the first 15 minutes 20 minutes into the story that just becomes irrelevant yeah you know? and you said the other week they always drag those girls out at the proms and stuff don't they they come up to you and you know gnash their fangs at you and stuff and you're just like yeah whatever yeah i mean <laughs> you for, know, what are you gonna do i think for yeah. this i think for litlands that's still quite scary. Yeah. But, you know, once you've passed, you know, the age of 12 or whatever, 13, you just know that they're these weird-looking fish lobster people. Mm. Um, so that's what I mean by an identity crisis. I think sometimes to the outside world, it tries to make itself look like a very scary story. Um, but then it's very funny at times as well. Like Matt Smith has some great comedic lines in this. Yeah. And... Um, some of the banter between the three of them is very funny. Um, so it's not, but then it's not really one of those overly comical stories because there's only little snippets of that no. throughout. And it's not really a full on adventure, like real fun loving adventure Doctor Who story because there isn't much in the way of running through corridors. There isn't like, um, you know, that big huge threat of invasion. It's not a base under siege sort of story. 
it's very much I, d- I just can't identify with it with what it's trying to be is my main issue yeah and um, i just found myself not caring about what was happening exactly i think that's the yeah. worst thing i just was like oh i just I, I couldn't care less i mean you talk about scary the scariest thing in it is that guy's eyebrows um what's his name francesco <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um i mean what is he he's say like he looks ridiculous francesco yeah yeah he looks ridiculous um not not in the least bit frightening because there is a bit a couple of bits where he's going around you know biting on people's necks and things isn't there or there's one scene so he's supposed to be sort of a bit villainous but, Even, but he looks yeah. stupid i mean i mean he just looks like a well i'm not gonna say it. he just looks ridiculous i was gonna come on to that scene because <laughs> that for me was a game was a massively was a massive missed opportunity to sort of mm-hmm. drive home the scariness of it but when they come across him and he's been you know biting that girl's neck in the alleyway he does this really strange cartoony yeah, put his cape over his half of his face and runs off like very mm-hmm. strangely like, with his cape over his face, and you think, what the bloody hell's just happened? Yeah, it was, it, it's, it's, it's turned into a cartoon almost. Of it's like a parody of itself, and he looks like a cartoon character, doesn't he? Just he just looks stupid. Yeah. I was trying to think actually. I did read somewhere. Of course, I can't find it now, but I, I did read somewhere, probably Wikipedia, <laughs> that they cut something because it was deemed too scary. And I was thinking, well, what, what, what? Because really? it, I mean, it's like I think it might have been something to do with the scene where Amy is captured and they're sort of about to drink her blood or whatever it is they're doing. But I think so. I don't know. But there, there was a bit that apparently was cut because it was deemed too scary. But I'm thinking, God, I wish they'd left it in because it really needs. It needed something in this. It did. It needed yeah. a bit of a shock factor scene. Yeah, definitely. Or something. Just something to wake me up. Or you know, I was literally yeah. falling asleep. Yeah. yeah. Um. However, it's not all bad. No, it's not by any means. No, it's not all bad. Um, I quite liked um, uh, the the father of the daughter who got. Um, you know, he gave his daughter up. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he showed quite a lot of sort of despair and angst and you know sort of sorrow that his girl because he after pretty much as soon as he gave her up to. Um, uh, the school for girls it's kind of pegged at isn't it um they uh he, he knows instantly that something isn't right mm. um and you can tell that in his performance is quite good um that sort of heartache that he's lost his daughter to something quite sinister yeah um and his sacrifice towards the end as well you know and he just blows the crap out of all of them with all that d- oh, dynamite, that's right, the dynamite you know? yeah and he's wearing Rory's um honeymoon t-shirt as well isn't he yeah so that <laughs> that, that he, i thought he was really good um and what's the actor's name is it lucian and um, it's um yeah no don't know lucian uh, masmati or something yeah um i thought <laughs> I, I thought he, <laughs> once again listeners will not be surprised that we, we can't pronounce the name <laughs> just don't rely on us ever no. to, to get names correct or anything but i thought he was really good um the um like like we've said um rosanna uh, Helen McCrory, I thought she was pretty good in it. She was good. Yeah, yeah, there's a great scene with her and Matt, isn't there? Um, where he sat in the throne and there's a little bit of flirting going on, but it's actually written quite quite well. I think it's quite comical. There's a good little scene between the two of them. Oh, the questions back and forth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it goes absolutely nowhere. Uh, but that's a nice little scene in mm. itself. And she is good. I actually think she's she's she doesn't overplay it um, like uh, 
Francesco guy. What's his name? Alex Price. It, she doesn't yeah. overplay it or do the cape thing or any of that nonsense. She's, I think she plays it pretty straight and, you know, yeah, she's good. She's all right. I think she's quite good in it for, for what she does. Yeah. She was good. Yeah. Uh, I like the setting. Yes, it, it looks was very Croatia. good. Yep. Yeah, it looks nice and stylish. I wrote that, but stylish but not engaging. Yeah. But it does look good, and it does work well for Venice. Because um, where's the set? Eighteen? No, sorry, fifteen eighty. Yeah. It's set. So yeah, it's a good location. I think it's the same one they used. Didn't they film Vincent and the Doctor there as well? So presumably they they did. They kind yep. of did the two close together or whatever. But yeah, yep. it works really nicely actually. Yeah, and it's interesting that they chose because um, the whole reason why they're there is because. The doctor wanted to send Amy and Rory on a romantic <laughs> sort of weekend, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that the that's the the time period um, that he chose to send them there because there's nothing there at this point in Venice's no. history. There's like, um, well, there's a school for girls run by the vampire fish people, and then a load of bread. <laughs> all, all, we, yeah. all we see you know littered throughout the streets is just baskets of bread everywhere yeah so um but n- nonetheless it's still it looks great and i think um you can absolutely tell the production values went up from um series the, you know the specials with tenant yeah, yeah um and as soon as we kick in with the new moffat era you can tell that the production they had more budget for like better cameras and and all that stuff because visually it looks just because even though the specials were filmed in HD and they look great, this one just seems to have a very clean, yes, cinematic look to it. You know the Matt Smith era. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, especially series five, it did definitely feel like fresh and like you said, they upped their game a bit in terms of production. I think. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, and when we reviewed um, Vincent and the Doctor, that was one of the things that I loved about that was just how wonderful oh, it looked visually yeah. yeah so this series does look good the only thing i would question about about it is perhaps the ending where matt's climbing the building because <laughs> we clearly cut to studio and it it works but it's not brilliant i would say that's the only bit that slightly lets it down in terms of visuals i suppose it's as i said it's by no means bad but it it's clearly green screen and 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 they've you know studio isn't it I mean, okay. I, I mean, there's no yeah. other way they could do it. And, it. and it doesn't look bad, but it does kind of, you do sort of look at it and think, oh dear. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really liked the, um, some of the internal sets as well. Um, so when they go into, you know, like the real massive hall where mm. Rosanna sits, you know, where her throne is and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I like the creepy the creepy kind of dungeony place underneath where where these girls are kept and so on that had like an almost sort of hammer horror kind of feel to it very mm. stonewalled you know old school corridors and all that stuff so all that you know there are some good bits in it i do like it um what did you think to the cast of all just you know just the random girls that played these these vampires what did you think because they don't really say much, do they? But they have no. a very visual, distinct look. Um, visually, I think they're quite nice. Um, I don't think the teeth are great, <laughs> to be honest. They, I just I just keep thinking, you know, you could buy those plastic teeth that you put in. Yeah. Like sometimes yeah. you get them in a the Christmas crack, cracker. Um, but yeah, they're, they're good. They don't. I mean, they don't really overdo it or or whatever. But yeah, I think I think visually they work quite well. 
for for what they needed to do, you know, which isn't a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when they do, you know, when they're in the sort of group um, with Amy and she's in a bit of danger and that, you oh, sort yeah. of think, you yeah. know, bit bit sort of Curse of Fenric-like with them all <laughs> coming down, uh, you know, on, on all that. So, yeah, they're fine. N- not too bad. Actually, in terms of sort of pseudo-vampire stories, this one or the Curse of Fenric? Oh, Curse of Fenric by a mile. Yeah. Yeah, I love Curse of Fenric. Good job. Yeah. yeah. I'd watch this over Curse of Fenric any day. Yeah, good uh, Sorry, no, sorry, what am I on about? I'd watch Curse of Fenric over this any yep. day. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, and what did you think to um, the the fact that we never actually see what's in the water? Do we just assume that it's they all look like, you know, when we see Rosanna in her, in a natural form, do we just assume that they all look like that, just smaller versions or were you... Because there are sometimes in not just Doctor Who, but any films or TV shows where it's quite cool to not see something. Mm. It sort of lets your mind fill in those blanks and sort of create your own monster, if you like. What do you reckon that we didn't actually see anything that was under the water, just like a bubble machine? Yeah, it's sometimes quite nice when stuff's left to your imagination, but I don't think it really works in this. Um, I think we were meant to see them. It was a budget thing, wasn't it? That you know, we, the, the reason we don't see them. I think it would have helped push the story you know add a bit to the story if we had seen them mm-hmm. because we only get glimpses of them in their natural form yeah. and although the effect is not great mm-hmm. i like do like the design of them i think they're interesting as a design you okay. know like you said this fish spiky whatever it is um but we don't get to see very much of that and again down to budget but i i, I think it would have helped i think we should have seen what was down there i'm not sure what it was meant to be I, again i read, read something on wiki i think that they some of they got planned but they couldn't do because of the budget and and i think actually this whole story was a very sort of rushed job from what i understand i think toby whithouse had a totally different idea and then moffat turned around to him and said no no that's too similar to something else mm-hmm. and kind of threw him some ideas and they you know he came up with this so yeah it's a bit Bit, it does feel a bit half-hearted, this story to me. I yeah. mean, the thing that I absolutely, the, the, that I don't like about it is the fact that it is, once again, another story about a race that comes to Earth and plans to turn everyone into them. Because the thing I really don't like about this this story is, is that if it's such an unoriginal concept. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, race comes down to Earth... <clears throat> they're going to transform all humans into their kind because they want to take over, you know, and I think Toby Whithouse, um, I would expect better from him. And I know that he, he had to sort of put this together fairly quickly because he had a different idea in mind and all that. And Stephen yeah. Moffat said it was too similar to something he'd already done. So yeah, I just, that's the thing I really, when I got to the end of the story, I just thought, God, it's just so boring. It's been done. It's been done so many times. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I totally agree, mate. Yeah. And it does feel like a script that's been, or a story that's been tampered with. Absolutely. And I can only put it down to the moth, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> what, getting his grubby fingers in the in the pie? Yeah, his fingers are in the pie. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of appreciate that in a while, be, in a way, because um, as the executive producer or producer or showrunner or script editor, whichever, whichever you want to call him, um, it's his job, isn't it? To, to make sure that each episode is, conforms to the continuity mm. throughout the, se- uh, the series. And also, just to make sure it's the best that it can be. But there are times when I feel like he should have just backed away a little bit. 
because there are certain, especially in series five and six, where it was like quite not risky because it was a done thing that Doctor Who was going to be on our screens, but because it was a brand new Doctor and a new start to the show, that maybe he just kept hold of the reins us slightly too tight. And I get probably the f- did, yeah. yeah. And I get the feeling, not just with this, but with some other episodes, where if he just stepped back a little bit and just didn't interfere so much, um, the the stories could have been, you know, different to what we see today, potentially better. Because I think um, the original concept um, Whithouse had for this eventually became the god complex i think yes that's right so yeah yeah, yeah. so I'd, it would have been intro- i don't know what he was originally planning or, or how close that came to being the god complex but yeah obviously he that was sort of vetoed at the time and this is what he came up with as a replacement mm-hmm. um so yeah maybe it was just the fact that yeah he wasn't given much time to come up with something new i don't know yeah it's not a bad well, it's not a, a terrible script really it's just hindered by sort of poor execution i would say yeah, and the, like you said earlier, there's some nice moments in it. Um, mm. Coming back to the the actor you were talking about earlier, whose name we couldn't pronounce, I, I do love the scene where they're sat around the table. Uh, so you've got the Doctor, Rory and Amy, and they're all telling each other to shush, and then they keep covering each other's mouths until they get to him, and there's <laughs> yeah. no ha- and then Rory does it. There's some lovely little moments in it like that. Um, and like I said about the Doctor's, first Doctor's library card popping up, and um, and I do love the interaction between Matt and, and uh, Arthur Darville. I think they work really well together. Yes. yeah. Amy, I do. Amy in series five is just yeah, she's a bit too cocky for me. Um, I, I do like that. Rory; he is annoying in this. Um, <laughs> but um, but again, it's it's saved because of the interaction with Matt. But he does get a bit yeah, it does get a bit annoying. I think when him and Amy are just going on, you know, the bit that should have been funny that isn't is the bit at the end where they have the Rory has the fight and there's and it turns into a broom fight or something. Oh yeah, yep. That, now I don't know if it's down to the direction or what, but that just falls as flat as a pancake um it does that, a that whole ending yeah i was thinking i was just sat there going groaning going oh what is going on um yeah that that but it should have been funny i can imagine on script that sounded quite good you know that the, he picks up a broom and all that <laughs> going on it probably probably was quite good on the page but it doesn't it doesn't work for some reason yeah um, it's not in this. the best yeah no it's a bit silly yeah um and i do and i know this has been used to death throughout all of Matt's era, but I, I'm still a huge fan of the Murray Gold music that he wrote for the Doctor. It's called "I Am the Doctor." You yeah. know, they use it in everything to do with Matt Smith, and I appreciate that. But I still love it. It still adds to a cool, cool. Do you atmosphere. know what? It was in the clip you played earlier, wasn't it? And do you know yeah. what's great about that bit of music is, um, if you haven't heard it for a while, it's it is still a brilliant. I mean, just hearing it in the clip there, I was going bobbing me head. Dun, 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 dun. It's a great piece of music. Yeah. It's just that, unfortunately, it just got overused big time. But if you haven't listened to it for a while it, and you put it on, it's 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 just brilliant. I, I'd still love that bit of music. Yeah. You know, and it, it suits Matt's Doctor down to the ground. It's, it's brilliant. It's awesome, isn't it? I love it. And I'm, I'm glad you've mentioned Murray and Gold, though, mate, because one of the notes I made was... I actually didn't notice any of the music in this, which is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. I got to the end and I was thinking, I, I just didn't even notice it. Was there any music in it? I, I really didn't notice any, apart from that bit, the dun, dun, dun. What, there's, yeah. that, there's no sort of standout music in this. No, it's very soft. Yeah. yeah. It's very, um, well, I think the brief that Murray Gold would have gotten, which is the same brief, very roughly, that Toby Whithouse would have got, um, was that he had to he had to develop um, a, a bold romantic episode, 
that right. that's like the the line that he would have got from the moth or whoever. So I'm assuming that Murray Gold would have got a similar brief. Okay. So the music is very soft and there isn't much in the way of action and it doesn't there's no big build ups or anything like that. Nothing stands mm. out. But maybe it's a good thing because sometimes the music is overbearing. So perhaps the fact that I didn't notice it and it's just in the background scoring it rather than actually blowing out of your speakers, maybe that's a good thing. Because I honestly, because, you know, I sort of normally make a note about Murray's music. Was it good? Was it bad? Was it too loud? Blah, blah, blah. And then I got to the end and I just suddenly realised I hadn't even noticed it. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it was just there underscoring it, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes that's like stuff that you, it's a bit like visual effects. Mm. The the effects that you don't notice, the ones that you didn't realise was a was a visual effect, are the best ones. So yeah, maybe that's exactly. the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, before we move on to reviews and so on, um, what did you think to the visual effects for Rosanna when she is in her pointy fish mode? Um, I think it's all right, actually. I, I know it's brief. Um, but I think it's all right. I get the feeling you don't really like it, but I don't think the design's that bad. I actually quite like, quite like it, the fish thingy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say that the effects are not too bad, and in fact, mm. the the effects the, that they focused on for her natural form were actually a lot better than when Matt Smith's up the top of the the spire. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any oddities or any little bits you want to mention before we get on to scores? Um, just the fact that the silence, uh, it's a very strange end, isn't it? That they say, oh, what's, listen, what can you hear? And it's, so we're getting this arc about the silence, which yep. I think gets mentioned a couple of times in this, um, which obviously if you're, not, if you're watching as a standalone, you wonder what the hell they're on about. Yeah. But that's a very strange ending, isn't it? Where they they just, it's weird. Do they just cut out? I don't know what they do. They do this strange thing with the sound where they can't hear anything or I don't know. But it's Yeah, it's just a little reference, isn't it? Where all of a sudden the all the atmosphere environmental sounds just get muted and Rory's like all I can hear is silence and the doctor looks very worried and so we know we know that we 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 didn't know at the time but in hindsight we know now that this is one of those moffat hmm. super long you know nine year story arc yeah. kind of <laughs> effects going on but yeah. um yeah it was kind of a weird one because very early on in the series like that you're like well, what's all that about but I suppose it made sense in the end. And just lastly, what did you think of the scene where um, Rosanna just gives it or gives in and just throws herself in the lake? And she says to the doctor, she sort of brings home the fact that last of the race and all that, you know, which it was a bit more fresh of an idea then than it is now. It's kind of been done a lot. But but what did you think of that little scene where she's like, you know how it feels, you're the last and you know, all that. Yeah. Did that work? Did it? Um, it did. It did work for me because I, I like how they, mm-hmm. because they could have gone with the more traditional ending of having the doctor, you know, inadvertently bump her off. Yeah. Um, but the you know the whole sacrifice thing is, yeah, it was quite fresh back then, so I don't mind it. My biggest problem with that scene is the inaccuracy with the perception filter, because throughout the entire story, um, the whole reason why we see Rosanna in human form is because on her belt clip or on her dress clip, she's got one of those triangular things. Oh yeah. That's, and, yeah. And there's a, a little conversation that the doctor has with her where he says, um, filter. it doesn't change how you look. It sends out a signal to anyone around you that changes how they perceive you sort of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then that scene at the end, she strips off everything, runs down to the thing, so the perception filter is left behind. That's but yet, true. But yet yeah. she's still in her human form. So without the perception filter, she hasn't changed back into her fish form. Yeah, that's, yeah, again, a clunker. Yeah, so I thought, well, that's clearly not right, is it? Mm. She shouldn't look like that. She should look like blue pointy fish. Yeah, very true. I, I hadn't thought about it, but you're absolutely right. So that's yeah. two things at the end that were wrong. So there's that, and also the fact that the, the Doctor just swans off and leaves all the aliens under the sea to presumably destroy okay. Venice at some point. So that's two things that are wrong with it. Yeah, I well, I'm, I was thinking about it afterwards do do all the little all the little brothers and sisters of francesco do they just perish because they you know or do they survive and we have to be careful in venice still not sure know. what happens to francesco um i he, can't remember what happens to him he gets um yeah what happens to him i don't know i think something does happen to him but i can't remember I what thought- yeah. Oh, no, is he lying dead by that funny circular Oh, I'm sorry. Thing? I'm sorry, yeah. Amy reflects the sunlight from her makeup oh, mirror yeah. and he gets, you know, turned to dust all over Rory, which he hates. It's, it's just a little bit. That's right, yeah. It's just yeah. a pair of eyebrows left. Yes. Nothing else, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's, her, what's her species called? Because I can't remember what, what they're called. No, I can't either. Um you've opened a can of worms now yeah i can't um, actually remember um anyway did you like the little um uh first doctor library card yes i love moment. that little bit yeah nice, love little, that touch. little touch nice yeah. little touch to be honest the, those the bits with matt because we, we didn't talk about matt much so we, i think we should just quickly say he is good in this i think i think matt's mm-hmm. really good in this this is his first series um, I really, really like him in it. I just love Matt as the Doctor. I think he does the humour and the action and everything great. So, yeah. yeah, love Matt in this. Yeah, really good. And then um, you, looking back on it now, you wouldn't think it was his first series because he's really into it and no problems. And um, it's it's it, and it's not his fault that the writing sort of diluted the threat a lot and mm. all that stuff. But just his performance, it was fantastic. Yeah, as usual, he brings the story up um, to to better than it is, I think, yeah. Yeah. So, scores, whose turn is it first? I think it's me. Okay. I think um, I'm going to give this a five. A five, okay. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a damp squid for me, this one. I'm I'm giving it a 6.5, which may be a bit high, actually. It really wasn't great, uh, but that's what I wrote, so I'll stick with it. 6.5. You're going to stick stick with your guns. I always feel like, yeah, it's funny, when we talk through it and stuff, sometimes I change my mind, but I always feel I should stick with what I wrote um, at the time. But, yeah, I wasn't wasn't overly impressed with it. Yeah. But okay. it's, it's, I suppose it's an easy enough watch. If I wasn't watching it to review, maybe I'd just sit there and think, yeah, it's all right. But, yeah, it's not great. It's not great. What did our listeners think then? What did our fabulous listeners think? I'm trying to find my phone to read out the comments. Here we go. Yeah. Um, let's do, um, we had our good friend George Garrity on Twitter um, who likes to send us his thoughts over four or five tweets. Which is oh, cool. yeah. yeah. Uh, he says, I do like this one. Uh, I think the villains are quite good, even if their fishy form is bad. Uh, mm. The comedy between Rory, Amy and the Doctor is great even if Amy has to play a damsel in distress role. Uh, She's all right in this. Rory has great moments like his rant at the Doctor or his sword fight. Matt was brilliant too, 
played his contrasting goofiness and dark side well. Supporting cast, all pretty sound. It even made me a bit emotional when the villain died. Uh, very good episode, 7.5. Thank you, George. Thanks, George. Um, let's do an audio clip before we go to Facebook. Uh, this is our good friend, Loopy Lou. I love this episode. 16th century Venice, vampires slash alien fish things and excellent fun Rory scenes. I mean, what more do you want, really? Also, I kind of fancy Alex Price, who plays Francesco. (laughs) Seriously, when Adam said last week he couldn't really remember this one, I was like, what? Not even the doctor popping out of a kick? The only bit I don't get is why at the end... She didn't just remove the perception filter and return to her natural form. I suppose then we wouldn't have had her death and a clean end to that race. But anyway, I think I'll give it a 7 out of 10. 7. Cheers, Lou. Nice one, Lou. Uh, On Facebook, uh, Finn Walsh says, uh, The only way to describe this story is meh. Mm. Uh, I didn't find it interesting, but I like the premise and thought Matt was pretty enjoyable uh, too. uh, a pretty enjoyable watch. Um, so be, I'll be nice and give it a 7 out of 10. Okay, another 7. 7. Lewis Palmer. Uh, I actually really like this story. Uh, it's a cool concept and it's executed quite well. Matt Smith has some nice, serious moments and gives a great performance. The ending is really eerie, if a bit forced. Overall, it's amazing. Uh, sorry, overall, it's not amazing, but it's pretty good. 7 out of 10. Yeah, another 7. Another 7. seven, seven. Jeff Waddle. Uh-huh. C. I don't know why this gets a bad rap. Um, I still hold season five as my favourite by far of the new stuff. And while this episode is not one of the best of the season, it's still a lot better than most of what's come lately. Uh, Matt Smith at his best. Amy and Rory fine. Good enough, straightforward story. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Well, I'm surprised Jeff went so high on that, actually. But yeah, all good. Cheers, Jeff. Uh, Let's do uh, an audio review. This is Joe Sweeney. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you guys are well. Right, the Vampires of Venice. Now, that's an easy one. Um, it is a good episode, but it's not the strongest one out of Series 5. The concept of it is okay. Um, the storyline is good. Um, it does have some nice locations and sets. Matt Smith's performance was perfect, but I'll but I say that this is the episode where I got fully used to him being a doctor since after Tennant left. Um, Karen and Arthur's performance was okay, but Amy was annoying when she was, didn't show any emotions whatsoever on how Roy was feeling, um, since after he found out that she ran off with the doctor just one night before the wedding, and, you, and, you, and I can't understand how Roy's feeling. Helen McCoy's performance as Rosanna was good, I thought she performed well as a villain, and the Vampire Girls was freaky, but I was disappointed that they were they weren't all real vampires, so they were fish from space. It does have some good moments and a little bit bad moments. The good moment was this when the doctor encountered the the vampire girls and he showed them the picture, um the library card and had a picture of the first doctor on it. I thought that was really good. However, a good episode, but not perfect. So I'm giving a score of um six and a half out of ten. Hope you enjoy the podcast, guys. Tata for now. Nice one. Cheers, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Same score as me. Excellent. Some, yeah, some similar scores. Um, carrying on Facebook, George Coppen says, quite a good episode with good bits and bad bits, 
don't really like the fact that they aren't actually vampires and the Francesco is annoying. Uh, hmm. But I do like Guido and I didn't want to see him die. Over on average episode in my eyes, six out of ten. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Porter says, yes, you're both pronouncing my name right. Yay! Hey, we got last. one. Uh, the <laughs> last podcast made my day. Anyway, I feel like this episode falls kind of flat. The problem all comes down to the script as it lacked any real threat. It's a shame, really, because I've always liked Toby Whithouse's work. Matt was great. His performance alone made this episode worth a second watch. Uh, I'll give it a five out of ten. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sammy Satine says, So there are vampires who aren't vampires, but fish people in Venice in 1580. I should have just said that, shouldn't I, at the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting concept, but kind of disappointed they turned out not to be vampires. I like Ro- I like Rosanna, uh, Mrs. Malfoy, for the Harry Potter fans. Oh. Uh, such a shame she decided to die at the end. I felt she wasn't an outright baddie in the end. Mm. Poor Rory. Felt a bit sorry for Rory. I just think Amy could treat him better. Yeah. Um, it's one of my biggest issues with Amy and how much she just takes Rory for granted. Matt was good. Not his best work, but not his worst. Seven out of ten. Another seven. And I was going to mention when we were talking earlier, you know, when I said, what did you think to not actually seeing all of the things in the in the water? Yeah. In my mind, um, I don't know if there's any Harry, Harry Potter fans listening, but I always imagined them to be, I think they're called Grindylows, and they live in the bottom of the Black Lake. So in the Goblet of Fire, when Harry does the underwater challenge and he dives down and all of these funny little creatures like grab his foot and drag him down and start nipping at his skin and stuff. That's how I imagine them to look. Right, yeah. That makes sense. I like that idea. For Harry Potter fans. Yeah. Anyway, back on Facebook, Danny Brown says... On rewatch, this was much better than I expected it to be, although not amazing and not terrible. The ending is slightly rushed. Matt Smith gives good performance and the rest of the cast are okay. Six out of ten. Okay. And lastly on Facebook, um, Callum MacArthur, short and sweet. Great story. Eight out of ten. Ah. And let's finish up with audio from our good mate, Matt Rowney from Who Addicts. Hey there, Gary and Adam. I hope you're well. Now, Vampires of Venice is a really awkward story for me. It's a really middle-of-the-road sort of story because I don't love it. I've never loved it, but I don't hate it. I, I don't despise it. And I, I don't really know if I dislike it or like it that much. It's just one of those stories that exists. It's there. You watch it during a marathon and then completely forget about it. It's not one that you want to re-watch. I mean, the setting and the, the, the production of the episode is fantastic, as most historical episodes are in Doctor Who, and the set looks fantastic, the costumes look great. I mean, it's, it's, it's believable that they are in the set that they're in. And I think Eleven, Rory and Amy um, particularly were brilliant in this episode. I think they bounced off each other really well. Some of the comedy was on point. But the story itself, I think, is what lets it down. I mean, it, the whole vampires thing really appealed to me um, in the run-up to the episode. And I remember being incredibly disappointed because... The vampire thing at first worked, and there were some scenes where, you know, Amy was getting bitten by a vampire, and it was it was quite scary, quite creepy. Um, but the revelation that they were weird fish creatures was the kicker for me. It was a, a big anticlimax, and, um, yeah, the episode just kind of diminished as it went on. So, yeah, for me, Vampires of Venice is an episode that I find hard to describe. I don't love it, I don't hate it, I don't like it, I don't loathe it. It's just there, and it's one that's just part of Doctor Who history, and that's it. So 
I think it's only fair that I give it a 5 out of 10. So I hope you guys are well, and I'll see you next time. Cheers, Dave. Cheers, Matt. I have to agree with him there. It's just there. That's how I feel about it. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just there. I just want to mention also about um, the Who Alex eyes. I think Matt put a video out day before yesterday, and he looks absolutely knackered. Yeah. He's basically apologising that they haven't got the videos out that they wanted to and stuff like that. Um, I just want to say, Adam and I completely understand <laughs> yeah. where you're coming from. Um, sometimes we're absolutely shattered yeah. through work commitments and other stuff and, and all that, but you just have to keep going, mate. I feel a bit like that today. I think I don't know if it will be in the show because I've lost track, but I, I think I said Toby Whithouse is the new showrunner earlier and then <laughs> realised that I've, yeah, my mind isn't in gear. So, yeah, we, we feel your work pain, Matt. You yeah. really do. We know where you're coming from. You look knackered, mate, but just keep going. It's all mm-hmm. good. Uh, anything on the Geek's Handbag page? Uh, yeah, just, just the one comment this week from the fabulous Fraser Lockley. And he says, I really enjoy this story, particularly... Sorry, particular highlights are the basement scene um, and the hilarious cake appearance (laughs) and the one-on-one between the Doctor and Helen McCrory character. This exchange is one of my all-time favourite elements of the Matt Smith era, if not Doctor Who itself. So, yeah, I think that means the scene I was on about earlier, does he, with the, it's just the two of them, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, He says, uh, yeah, I'm a time lord, you're a big fish, think of the children. Yeah, see, there are some lovely lines in it like that. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I also feel Matt perfectly embodies the Doctor in this episode, brilliantly balancing the ancient and childlike character and the interplay between him, Amy and Rory just cracks, crackles with humour and warmth. (laughs) Yeah, so I agree. There are the scenes between the three of them, especially the Doctor and Rory, I think, really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Fraser. Cheers, Fraser. Uh, Rightio, next week. I can't wait for next week. I have been looking forward to doing this story for ages. Next week's going to be a, a, a very interesting one because uh, just, just the fact of this particular Doctor's performance and around his time is just very... Um, it's a very interesting watch, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Adam, my good fellow, what are we going to do next week? Next week, Gary, it will be the sixth Doctor classic, The Twin Dilemma. <laughs> the Twin Dilemma. Colin's first. And like I said, I've been wanting to do this one for a long time. Um, I think it's a very interesting story to review. Um, so I'm looking forward to that next week. I'm, I must admit, I think I've watched, I'm, I maybe have watched this one more, like the most out of all of the, uh, the Colin Baker series. Just because it's so fascinating to watch. Really? That, now, that does surprise me. So that intrigues me. So, yes. Yeah. I'm purely from a performance point of view. Yeah. You know, from- I may well dress up as, what's the name of the big slug? <laughs> I may well dress oh, up as it next week. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, our Skype um, is on video now. So yeah. I, I'll be able to see just this. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember his name, but yeah. That would be awesome, right? So next week. And you can, you can dress up as... Um, Els, Els, Aldred, or all, yeah, whatever, yeah. Oh, yeah, could be fun next week. Should never, do, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, so look out for the uh, post on Facebook and the tweets and so on. Uh, just get your uh, thoughts and reviews over to us on that one. And I know that we have a couple of Sixth Doctor fans, mm. um, listeners. So it'd be interesting to see what you guys think. Yes, to that story. And I think we will do there for eighty six. Okay. 
thank you so much for sticking with us. And I'm I we had even though news is dry and thin on the ground at the moment, with the exception of the sad passing of uh, Gareth Thomas, mm. um, there are some cool stuff to get your teeth into because if you listen to our survival guide last week one of the points was to get into the titan comics um and so now is a very good time to get into those you can pick up the graphic novels and stuff of all the previous ones but now we've got a new ninth doctor run fourth doctor run and we're part way through the new runs for the 10th and 11th doctors as well so there's loads out there like reading wise yeah so get stuck into that um head over to our website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all the previous episodes on there and you can also jump onto facebook and twitter and instagram and you can also subscribe to the show as well uh, just hit the link on the website that will take you to itunes or stitcher whatever and if you do subscribe in itunes if you could give us a review or a rating whatever that would be awesome because that really helps us out a lot Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Mm. The Geek's Handbag. <laughs> you might like my next video, because you like the X-Files, don't you? Love it. I've got to do a little unboxing if I ever get the video finished. Oh, man. Do you know what? <laughs> it's only a short one, yeah. Just with, with my new job and everything, I'm just not getting time to do videos, but yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was in FP, just very quickly last week, um, I was gutted that they didn't have the... Because, you know, the Pop Funkos for the X-Files, they've got... Um, Skulder and Mully. Uh, and an alien. I, I couldn't find Skulder. the alien. Oh, I no. I was gutted because that's what I wanted. Oh, I've seen him, but yeah, not in, yeah, not yeah. sure where. I was hunting down the alien, but couldn't find it. Well, that'll be next. And then after that, I, and it's filmed, just not edited, I finally filmed my review of that silver screen TARDIS box set oh, thingy. Yes. Now, how long have I had that in the pipeline? I say, 10 years. I was going to say, that's nearly a year. I know, but yeah. it'll be well. Hopefully, it'll be worth the wait because um, yeah, I've done a nice, nice little video of, of a review of that um, thing. Oh, so nice! Cool. Just need to do a few little edits, but yeah. So yeah, where can they find you online? Oh, everywhere. I'm I'm an internet whore, omnipresent. So if you do a search <laughs> for if you do a search on uh, predominantly YouTube, but also Facebook, you'll find Adam's channel. Yeah, the Geek's Handbag. Next week, the Twin Dilemma. Give us your thoughts on that. Look forward to that one. Until then, my name's Gary. <laughs> my name's Adam. And remember, and Lottie. Lottie.